It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 674 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Hey, I have a fun show lined up for you today. First, joining me is Oren Broberg. Oren is the CEO of Modus. And then, great news, got a drum roll hopefully here is Captain Fantastic Bridget. She's back with us today, and we'll be talking a little bit later. Now, before I get to that, I want to tell you about the sales house. Now, if you're a regular listener to Accelerate, you know that I believe that sales training is broken. I mean, it's not doing a good enough job of educating salespeople about the art, the craft, and the true science of selling, namely the human aspect of sales. You know, how do you build relationships to connect with buyers, to engage their interest, build trust, and inspire them to take action? So to fill that need, I built the Sales House, the only all-in-one sales education community for B2B sellers. So come experience the hundreds of hours of educational courses and content from me personally, as well as from other world-class experts, and join in our live coaching hours, our live workshops, and our in-person meetups, all of it designed to accelerate your professional growth and rocket your career to the next level. So to learn more, visit thesaleshouse.com forward slash 674. That's today's episode. So go to thesaleshouse.com forward slash 674 to take advantage of our special $1 trial offer just for listeners of Accelerate. So we'll see you there. All right, let's jump into it with my guest today. Joining me first, Oren Broberg. Oren is the CEO of Modus. Modus is a B2B enterprise digital sales platform for organizing and creating compelling content to help you create product differentiation and close more sales. That's what we're all about, right? So some key points we're going to cover today. Why effective selling requires aligning your sales activities to the customer's journey. And then we're asking the question whether sales tools actually are helping sales performance and whether it's too early to tell. Also, we're going to talk about why we can't rely on technology to build authentic relationships with our buyers. All right, so here we go. Warren Broberg, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. Good to be here. A pleasure to have you here. So today we find you where? In Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, the Twin Cities. Twin Cities, That's indeed. Twin Cities, indeed. So of all the professional sports teams there, which are the ones that you like to follow? I like the Twins. The Twins. I think I love baseball. I think we've got a great ballpark. And Now, is there a new ballpark? They're not playing yeah. indoors in the, the Metrodome, which is gone anymore. I've, so what's the new ballpark? Well, it's called Target Field. And of course. It's a facility. Target Field, of course. Yeah. The Target Center where the Timberwolves play. And it's, it's a new ballpark, and it's got all the great sight lines and a nice feel, beautiful view of downtown Minneapolis. It's on the light rail system. And uh, even if the Twins aren't winning, which is about half the time, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just a great place to go and hang out, be with friends, be in the fresh air. Yeah, the Metrodome, uh, while we did win two World Series there, yes. um, didn't have quite the ambiance. No, no, no. I was in there once. I don't remember what I was there for, but it wasn't a sporting event. But um, so that and that's been replaced with a you know, beautiful new dome for the football team. So, um, so okay. Well, cool. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your company and what you guys do. Well, uh, Modus is. is it's a fun company. It's a B2B software company. We're having, you know, growing, of course. It's an enterprise digital sales enablement platform. 
Uh, we help uh, companies uh, organize their content, create compelling content, um, create product differentiation, and close more sales. So um, on the user side, it's just a mobile app that uh, the users love to use, very easy, professional looking. And on the administrative side, it's a very robust content management system for organizing all kinds of media. So we work with large uh, manufacturers and service providers. Um, our niche happens to be uh, companies that have uh, complex distribution channels. So uh, we've optimized some of the analytics and uh, some of our uh, AI-enabled content management around the specialized needs of you know, people that make things and mm-hmm. sell them through different channels. Got it. So the company's been around for a while, though. So, I mean, sales enablement as a buzzword is relatively recent in the scheme of things. So when you – I'm sort of curious. So when you started the company, what was the buzzword? It wasn't sales enablement. What was it? Oh, mobile sales presentations. Got uh, it. Yeah. So our company, like a, a few of our competitors, we all started when the iPad was introduced. Mm-hmm. So go back to 2011, 2012. Uh, and uh, I was working with a, a digital media agency who was working and creating rich media for medical device companies here in the Twin Cities. Sure. And a few of those companies came to us and said, hey, you're developing this, this real cool media that our salespeople are using to help sell and educate our, our customers. Uh, could you create a platform, namely iPads, because we're buying hundreds of them now for our salespeople. Could you create a platform a platform for organizing and deploying, managing, and monitoring this rich media. And so that was the birth of Modus. Got it. A core communication platform. And since then, of course, we've added on and enhanced the product. But that's how it all started. So, yeah, we haven't been around a long time. Well, you know. in, in tech years. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> dog years. I don't know how many that is. Yeah, dog years. But, I mean, it's when you, I don't know, you measure it by... You know, sort of the, the evolution of the buzzwords for the category that you're in. And you know, you've probably been through two or three iterations since then. Um, but I want to talk a little bit, since you are, in many respects, a pioneer in this whole sales enablement field, is talk about it. Because I think the word you used once when we were, we were talking is the, you know, when you say sales enablement, sort of an amorphous description of, of this emerging discipline in sales. And um, I love this quote from Tamara Schenk. It's actually taken from a blog on your website. She's saying that, um, quote, listening to sales enablement discussions, she's she's astonished at how often the customers are not even mentioned. And effective selling requires salespeople to align their activities and behaviors to the customer's journey. So I wanted to sort of cut that into two and look at it in two parts. One is her saying, I'm astonished at how often the customers are not even mentioned when you talk about sales enablement, does that surprise you? Not at all, because we've had consulting groups and vendors try to shape the definition of sales enablement and bend it to suit their purposes. And if you go to the other side of the equation, like we're charter members of the Sales Enablement Society here in, in Minneapolis-St. Paul, mm-hmm. their definition of sales enablement, it's quite a bit different. Again, it's from the buyer's point of view. Uh, which I find very useful. Um, so compare and contrast the two. So definition from the seller side is, and CSO Insights, again, that same article I think had a 
definition as a strategic cross-functional discipline designed to increase sales results by providing integrated content training and coaching for salespeople and frontline managers along the customer's journey. Yeah, so I get back to you know my criticism of the term, right? And many people agree with me that it 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 covers everything. And so, what doesn't that definition cover? So we've got training, onboarding, um, media presentations, we've got analytics. Uh, it, it basically, you know, serious decisions defines sales enablement as basically everything that you need to support the salesperson at that what I call the moment of truth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, preparing the salesperson from skills standpoint, providing necessary tools, the right environment. Um, it's very, very broad. I think it's, it's, it's a nice thing to talk about. But I think we'll see over time that this is going to break down into sub-disciplines um, within sales enablement that are maybe more useful from a vendor standpoint. Um, and from the buyer standpoint, um, sales enablement could have something entirely different well you'd mentioned that that the sales enablement society had a more of a buyer-centric definition so what what is that if you can share that please don't ask me to memorize well, it not not word for word but it, but yeah it has it has to do with with how they analyze um different vendors how they analyze their needs and and break it down into uh, metrics that would support their own in-house sales uh organization uh, it has to do with communications between them and the vendors. It also has to do with all kinds of you know research and collaboration on their end and working between sales and marketing and breaking down silos. I think it's very, very useful. And, hmm. and that's where vendors need to be. They need to get on that side of the, of the, of the argument, or if you will, the, the issue, and support customers better and understand their needs. So, which, is, which is sort of the, the lifelong problem, right? And, and taking it outside the sales in terms of servicing a sales customer, but in terms of sales servicing their customers is, is yeah, that's, that's one of the, you know, the pillars of things that, that people always talk about that doesn't happen enough is, you know, sales and, not asking the right questions, not doing the appropriate discovery. Right. So, you know, are we creating a discipline to help something that's unchangeable? By unchangeable, well, I mean, the thing is, you know, we, 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 if you look back, if we look back in the history of sales over 120, 130 years and, and all the technology that's evolved, especially over the last 30, 40, 50 years of, of selling to, to support and facilitate this whole process between buyers and sellers is arguably you know, <laughs> taking, you know, CSO insights and other people, whether you take those at face value or not, arguably, you know, we're getting worse at this whole thing. As we as we continue to to add technology and and so on to it, this whole thing being sales, you know, if quota attainment, blah blah blah. So all these external metrics, and I'm not judging the validity of them. Just saying, you know, it's data points for purposes of this discussion. Is that, yeah, arguably we're getting worse. So as I said, are we trying to fix problems that fundamentally were unable to change? I mean, it, <laughs> and I give you an example of one that you know, for as long as I've been in sales. Yeah, we've had this this metric that salespeople basically only spend about a third of their time actually talking to customers. And never a week goes by that you don't read an article or somebody hear somebody talk that says, We're gonna change that, right? And and I had this conversation a week ago with the VP of uh, CRO 
a global VP of sales of a well-known company, SaaS company, you know, wanted to talk to me because I wanted to come on the show and talk and said, you know, I've got a breakthrough on this about increasing sales productivity. And it was all about <laughs> having reps sell more hours. And I'm like, hey, you know, we've been talking about this for <laughs> for decades and not not cracking the nut. So yeah, is this another attempt to crack a nut that's just uncrackable? It, I don't fault vendors, including myself, for trying to solve a classic problem that goes back to way before there was technology. And mm-hmm. you can probably tell I've been in this in, in the sales marketplace for a long time. You know, I started with Xerox a long time ago. And and, and there there's some truths out there, and, and I would I'd go back, you can quote Jim Dickey and and, and others at CSO Insights. I mean, there are truths about how you can be more efficient, how you can standardize processes, create sale, scalable sales processes that are repeatable, predictable, that kind of thing. We want to. We obviously have the goals of being a trusted partner with our clients. Um, these kinds of things. Time is the enemy. Always has been the enemy for salespeople. Um, and so, anything you can try to do to save time. It is, I think, a very admirable goal. And, mm-hmm. and we try to do that too. Um, and challenges change over time. As you know, today, you know, salespeople get too much, they have too much information today. And they don't know where to go to get the, the meaningful information. And where, what is the one source of truth? Where do they go for that? And you have some organizations are more committed to providing that information. Uh, others are, are, are still very siloed. Uh, so, that's a challenge today, and so I think that might justify what you say, that we're becoming more inefficient as, as selling professionals, possibly because we're having to deal with more information than we need and tools that don't deliver on the promise. If we went back to the basics um, and, and talk about doing research on clients and uh, understanding their needs and the fundamentals of you know establishing the relationships and and that kind of thing, I, I you know, put the computer down, put the phone down in meetings. You don't need that. You just listen. And, and, and that's how sales are still made today. Well, and that, now, that was- enterprise B2B sales. Okay. Now there's a whole nother area. Of, we're in the SaaS business as, as you probably know, right. and we're relatively, um, you know, with enterprise sales, we're not a high velocity, uh, low ACV SaaS business where we're, more of a, a longer sale process where it is a complex sale. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the, the context that I'm making my comments from. Love it. Perfect. But I mean, I think you brought up the issue that, that one was really, I was driving at sort of indirectly is that the, my, my belief and my contention that part of the reason we're seeing these inefficiencies and what I'd call increase in ineffectiveness of, of sales is this idea that we can use this technology as a substitute for what you talked about, the basics, right? Instead of saying it's a complement, we're saying it's a substitute. So, you know, I can use this technology to reach out and quote-unquote engage with prospects at a superficial level but never really build the relationship that and yeah, that's really required in order to inspire someone to take some action, and and the trust that goes along with that, and and that I think is what I see as sort of the missing the missing piece of when when we talk about enablement these days. That's the part to me that that's really missing. 
you know, if, if there really is sort of a three legs to the stool of of content training and coaching, to me the missing fourth leg is I call it education, right? How do we make people smarter about dealing with other people? Wow. Um, right. And we're not getting real insight via the technology of the salespeople. Uh, I think we're still grappling with how to use some of these new tools and saying, well, let's see if we can replace certain steps of the sales process with technology. You know, I'm all for, for using, say, for example, marketing automation mm-hmm. and, and clients uh, in tandem with a sales effort. I think that's a brilliant use, and not many organizations are using that. Um, and we, we are big advocates of that. Um, you and I talked about earlier uh, using technology to uh, change your, your sales process and you know, the advent of inbound SDRs, handing off leads to account executives and having experienced people have conceptually give them better qualified leads. But the problem is you're qualifying these people who are you know, human beings that are interested in your product and you're using the least experienced inside <laughs> personalized exactly. small relationship people to qualify these leads and then hand them off to the account executives. And I, I think that's wrong. We've gotten away from that. It doesn't work for us as well. It might work for other uh, businesses and other products and different mar- models, but that well, what, doesn't work. What do you do instead? That is an experiment and, and say, well, this, this may work over here for this kind of SaaS product. Why don't we try it here? We tried it and we weren't happy and we went back to a more traditional model. Which is what? For into qualification, what are you doing? Well, we we will uh, we have a, an interest in well, we at least many ways. But um, if we were talking about inbound, we're, we're actually hanging on to that uh, marketing qualified lead and qualifying it better, longer uh, through uh, a different process in our marketing automation system. So you know that that you do basically a point based system mm-hmm. where it is built up and and then handed off to. Um, what we call a digital sales enablement director who then is experienced in the product and experienced in the, and, and has done the research and the client. And we can start building a bridge very fast with somebody who's interested and ready to move forward. But they still at that point, and I think this is a critical issue, I think for that I see as a gap in many company sales process, your digital sales director enablement director has to qualify the prospect at that point. I mean, it's one thing, you got a marketing qualification, but the marketing qualification is not the same as saying, look, we're going to, in my mind, is actual qualification of the prospect is, look, we're going to get an agreement that, you know, the value we provide is going to enable you to achieve your goals. Right. Yeah. That no, still has to take place. Being with intelligence and experience right. to, to qualify the prospect. It's not really qualification so much as co-discovery. Uh, so with that person who may or may not be a fit. For our product. Exactly. We need to be looking for something completely different. Well, I, th- I, I still consider that qualification. Yeah, we're not a, a learning management system, for example. Right. People come to us and say, well, we want to use your app for training and your platform for training. You can do onboarding and simple training, but if you want a learning management system, go somewhere else. Right. We integrate with learning management systems. Mm-hmm. Well, they want to do, you know, CPQ. We, that's, not our, our, that's not what we do. We integrate with them. But, you know, that kind of thing. So, well, I think to your point, though, is just to make clear for listeners, is that that yeah, I mean, discovery is discovery is or excuse me, qualification is not a single point occurrence in any sort of complex sale. 
you talked about a scenario on the discovery, you're doing co-discovery. I call that qualification, right? It is it is discovery, but you ultimately at the end, you're going to decide, is this a fit or not a fit? That's qual- To me, that's qualification, right? It's part of the process. Well, some people call it a selling process. We call it a buying process. Which it is. Right. Which I think is, is with, as we get down another path here, another rabbit hole, with enablement, and when we get back to this idea about it's missing the educational component, but, but um, you know, people talk about we really have to make sure we really tightly tie you know, the way we're selling to our customers' buying journey. But my experience has been, especially in complex sales in the enterprise, and I have did that for a long time selling very expensive products, is that that's not something an organization has a lot of experience buying. They don't do it very frequently. Thus, it's not very well charted from the buyer's perspective. And so I think it's one of the real challenges with enablement is to say, look, what we're doing is giving you something that's sort of going to track to this quote-unquote standardized buying process that your buyers have when really they don't have that if they're buying anything that's complex because it's, it's always sort of a one-off. Right. Yeah. I mean, sales enablement in many cases, including what, what we're offering, requires customers to rethink their operations and how they work together mm-hmm. and workflows. And we sell to big companies. And big companies, as you know, don't change quickly. And, and, and you have to sometimes break down walls with big sledgehammers between marketing and sales or IT or whoever owns the marketing automation inside marketing. You have silos within silos. And, and so they have to rethink how they're going to do things. And that, that's part of our, our, our challenge, too, mm-hmm. is educating them on the you know, certainly you look at the end game, you look at the value proposition, what's going to look like at the end right. uh, in terms of whether it be content creation or, or closing more business or, you know, these kinds of things. What is your vision of happening at that moment of truth between, you know, that last mile of the, you know, of the supply chain when you're trying to get product in the hands of the customers? So that's, that's something that takes the most time. You know, when clients you know, go dark, for example, in a, in, a, in a buying process, it's not because, all, well, maybe it is because they don't like you or they're moving on to somebody else. Often we found that it's because they're rethinking how they're going to have to change their organization, how they do things to accommodate this new sales enablement thing. So sure. It, it, it is. It, so the term is useful. I'm not saying it's not a useful term. It is amorphous because it covers a lot of ground, and there's no one vendor that does it all. And you know, people are claiming to do it, but you really have to look at you know, this through the, the customer's eyes and, and, and get inside their shoes a little bit. And you can solve a big piece of it. A lot of you have a lot of organizations that can do that. And you have to work. You have to figure out how you can work together with their existing legacy pieces uh, to, to, to help them build uh, a solution that it really delivers on a promise. Well, and so. Playing off a question you just or a comment you just made is, you know, are there vendors that are trying to be create this sort of all-in-one solution for sales enablement? Oh yeah, yes, there are. <laughs> he says <laughs> with a wry well, smile on his face. Of course, yeah. It's a all right. You, you take something like what we do, and then you bolt on a learning management system, and then you can you can bolt on other other systems and say, okay, now we've got the, the whole whole enchilada here. But 
you know, we're selling to, well, just say, of course, in my space. Sure. Um, you know, we have competitors that, uh, and there's mergers and acquisitions going on all the time. And so if you look like the Showpad, Sayabo, Seismic, well, you know, they're all in, in brain, uh, big, big can can, and, and some of these others are rolling up uh, learning management systems along with uh, sales enablement platforms and trying to offer all things to all people. What our clients are telling us, and we work with large enterprises, mm-hmm. that they already have a learning management system. They want, to have, they want to make better use of what they already have. If you look at marketing automation, and that's a big component of our uh, value prop is we integrate with all the marketing automations uh, systems as well as CRM. And what we're trying to do is take these organizations that are maybe using marketing automation. Most marketing automation, if you were to talk to the Marketo, uh, Eloqua, mm-hmm. HubSpot folks, they'll tell you that right now it's basically a big you know email blast engine and that's how they use marketing automation yeah. they can do so much more take it up a level or two you know really integrate it you know with your website and and, and look at you know, customer engagement another term that i i prefer and customer engagement uh is measured you know with with real good data off your website will give you a lot of insight well why not take that customer engagement information those analytics mm-hmm. that market automation is using and marry that with what's going on on a sales call. Not many people are doing that. And when you do that, you get a better picture of what's going on. And then does the world really need another learning management system? I don't think so. so. It's like, I'm coming to you with a solution uh, that is offering something you already have. But we integrate with learning management systems today. It's not a big deal. You want onboarding? You, you you have it. You have the resources in house, and if you offer, if I were to offer that to some of my clients, then I'd be duplicating uh, capabilities in house, and it's doing them a disservice. Okay, so in, at least in the the segment that you're selling into, sort of again high end complex inter- enterprise sales, you see that as sales enablement rolls out, that it's less a, a comprehensive solution that that buyers will buy, but buying point solutions to integrate with things they're already doing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. So, yeah, so we've, we're working with these large organizations that have these existing systems. And, um, you know, I have one customer that's using a CRM today and their mobile app, and uh, they want to combine what's coming in that mobile app onto our platform mm-hmm. because our UX is better. Okay, so if we were to say we can push and pull information in the CRM, right. uh, that's useful because it's kind of a real-time information in the hands of the salespeople right before a sales call. And so if we're going to do that. Let's also integrate with uh, ERP systems or other data sources, whether it be Zoom Info or, or um, Discover Org or, or these kinds of things that you know, provide real-time value to a salesperson. And of course, we're you know applying artificial intelligence to um, provide the, you know the, the right information, the context of the salesperson when they need it in the sales call they're about to use it in. So we're and, pulling and now we're pushing. Okay, so you raised the topic of AI. Is so you know tell us a little. What can you tell us about that in terms of you know what are the factors you're really taking into account to to make that that judgment about what's needed at what time. It has to really, um, going back to a point we, we talked about and we opened up this, this call or this meeting with, is about saving salespeople time. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's really the domain of AI right now. Is you got repeatable, repeating processes, repeating administrative tasks, these kinds right. of things. AI can cut through a lot of that real fast. Yes. It, but yeah, it, it has to be the type of stuff where it, it's right and it does it properly. It can't be experimental. Uh, where if a salesperson or a manager or a user or an organization doesn't trust what AI is doing, they're not going to use it. They don't trust it. It's worthless. So you have to start simple, start basic, get it right every time, and, and save the salesperson, um, save administrative. It's simple stuff uh, like suggesting content based upon um, a particular content and the uh, contact that they're making on a sales call and information you have from their CRM. That's easy. Mm-hmm. You can do that. And, and it's, it's relatively low stakes, but it will save the sales rep time. When mm-hmm. a sales call or telephone call is over, then we're looking at right now uh, integrating with another um, AI capability here in Minneapolis where um, you know sales calls are actually broken down speech to text and then analyzed against, say, a bad sales model. And then we can look at how we will suggest uh, content based upon the discussion that just happened and, and have an email right there. So we can provide the arms and legs to save the time and provide um, the kind of contextual support uh, that will really help salespeople. So mm-hmm. that's where AI comes in. You know, from the admin side, you know, tagging content. You know, we have, we have a client now with a worldwide network that have 80 content managers managing digital media that's wow. in our cloud for their products. Right. So, 200 dealers worldwide, they got 20,000 users, et cetera. And <clears throat> what we've been able to do, it, it, it sounds very mundane, but tagging a content, a piece of content, what it's about, for example, mm-hmm. create a PDF and I'm going to put this brochure up into the cloud. Do I really need to I'll go in and manually tag the, the product name, um, the, the target audience, the key features of the product, all right. that kind of stuff. You have keywords they can search for it you know, in, in, in the platform, but we can do that automatically now. And we can take images. Um, and, and so we, we partner with Amazon and we can just uh, tag a, an image because Amazon knows that this is a truck mm-hmm. or this is an excavator, or this is an MRI machine. And we can pre-populate a lot of the tagging. Say, it sounds like a little stupid thing, but that is a big deal when you take 80, con- 80 content managers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and so, so we got AI you know, content management on, on the admin side. It's not just on the user side. Very interesting. Anyway. Well, I agree with you. I think uh, the examples I've seen of the utilization of AI that are very useful are exactly as you talk about. It's, you know, the repetitive tasks that are time savers that theoretically, at least in the case of sales, should free them up to spend more time with, with customers. And hopefully that would be one of the outcomes. And we won't get it right. It's not going to be perfect on day one. We know no. that. But you know, again, we just have always, you know, been ex- I, I try new technologies all the time. And I guess mm-hmm. I cut all the slack. Give it a chance. It'll evolve. It'll get better. And who knows? I mean, a couple of years from now, AI is going to be commonplace. And a lot of these things, such as, you know, voice to text, uh, all that stuff can be commonplace. And I really do think there's going to be increases in sales productivity, and I think it's going to make the job easier for salespeople to spend more time in front of customers and meetings uh, and less administrative time. 
That's been my big beef with CRM mm-hmm. uh, from day one, even before there was it was called CRM. Um, Salesforce automation. And who's, what purpose does it serve? There's no benefit to salespeople in CRM, really. Uh, it's for management, and right now, as you know, is it shifting to marketing? Right. Uh, when marketing has access to the CRM database, they do lots of that stuff with that. So you see these plugins between mm-hmm. marketing and CRM for nurturing, etc. That makes sense. So let's just give salespeople what they need. So let's build smarter systems. Okay. Hey, right. I'm, in, I'm in favor. Well, all right. All right, good. Well, Oren, we've run out of time. So tell folks how you can they can find more out about you and well, contact you. you. Well, you go to gomotus.com. We've got a brand new website and brand new marketing messaging. And uh, we're really happy. We're real proud of our new website, of course. Uh, you can also reach me at uh, obroberg at gomotus.com. And that's G-O-M-O-D-U-S, right? M-O-D-U-S, yep. Gomotus.com. All right, perfect. Warren, thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Andy. Look forward to talking soon. Yep. Thank you, Oren. Okay, friends, that was Oren Broberg, CEO of Modus. Now, join me next. Very excited about this. My fantastic co-host is back in the fold, Bridget Gleason. Now, today, Bridget and I are going to tackle the topic of the science of decision-making. I mean, it's not just as simple as making up your mind or you can do something. We're going to talk about how group decision-making works and about the two-step decision process that most people make or most people use to make critical decisions. And we're going to dive into the secrets of how to truly qualify good prospects, which is an important part of the whole decision-making process. All right, let's jump into it. Bridget, how are you doing? Andy? It's been a long time since we... I know. I know. Well, you had some vacation. Well, I've been telling people, you know, you've been on the engine reserve list. (sighs) Let me tell you what's so great about being on the injured reserve list. Yes. And the the best thing about being on it is when you're off it, I feel so grateful. Like I came into the office Monday morning after having been out for a few days, like dancing, (laughs) coming in, like I'm here and I feel good and it's great. Like I just, I'm so grateful that I'm not in chronic pain. I'm so grateful that I don't get sick often. I'm so grateful that overall I'm healthy. Yeah. You know, so. And that your, your mouth is not wired shut. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. So, Bridget had a little jaw. Know, a little, had, Bridget had a little jaw surgery in, in the last few I weeks. Have, and yes. and uh, she'll spare you the whole story of how much pain she was in. Yes. And, and so on, but it necessitated, like I said, putting her on injured reserve for a couple lists, a couple of weeks. But now she's back, and uh, we're off. To, and here and we go. Happy and happy. Well, clearly, because you were dancing at work. Dancing at work. Hopefully, you're dance, right. dancing at work today as well. I am. You know. Yes, definitely. Okay, so let's let's dive into something here, and this is a topic that's been floating around quite a bit recently, which is: Do sales reps really understand how people make decisions? Because I see this big disconnect between sort of these sales processes that get laid out versus how science and research has demonstrated that that people actually arrive at making a decision. It seems like maybe if reps were a little smarter, a little better educated about how how decisions are made, that maybe it could help them. And do you mean about how 
an individual makes a decision or about how groups make decisions? Well, groups are a series of individual decisions, but um, But not always. But not always. If you read uh, New Sales Simplified, Mike Weinberg, you will see that, well, it's, it's, he actually states in the book that it isn't a series of individual decisions. You can get 5.4 people, which would really have to be six, people that say yes and end up with a no. Because the individuals may all say yes, but it's about getting the group the group needs to make a decision collectively and getting successes the getting successes doesn't mean that they're going to say collectively as a group yeah because no. what yeah when you yeah you, so that's why i ask is it the group or the individuals that we're thinking about educating well i think we could have a, a long discussion i mean i love mike and love the book is but i don't really necessarily think that's exclusively the way things happen i mean there's other research that says, hey, you get in a group setting, and actually, in a group setting, there's one person, that, and this is research that Discover Org published last year, is that one person dominates. You know, they call it the bully and the shy, the bully, basically. And that oftentimes, the group dynamics is that one person's influence actually prevails over the group consensus or drives the consensus based on that one person's opinion. Well, I don't think, I don't think what... Um, Mike is saying a new sale simplified would necessarily disagree with that because he talks about having, you need at least one person in the group. I think he calls them the motivators that are mobilizers, the mobilizers. Well, mobilizers, that's, yeah, actually, I think that came out of the challenger sale or the challenger customer, one of those two. Um, that those are the, the people that sort of drive and that's, that becomes sort of, yeah, somewhat and that can. Yeah, so so you could say that you need at least a driver. If you have a driver who's going to go drive the sale, you could also say maybe that's the bully that is the one who's making the decision. True, true. I mean, I, in which case, it's being largely driven by by one individual. I mean, I, I think that that um, I think we don't fully understand this idea of collective decision making and. I mean, we we know, and we we get the research that says, yeah, there's more people involved and more stakeholders involved in decision making. But I think we don't really know. I mean, I think the Discover Org research last year, done by um, Steve Martin, not the comedian, but Steve Martin, the business school professor from USC and a known sales expert, starts peeling that back in a way that that other other books and other studies haven't. Um, is to say, okay, what's what's really what's really at the root of this group dynamic? I think we I think we're making well, I think we're making a lot of assumptions about that. I mean, I still think, in my experience, from having sold large enterprise systems for years, is that yeah, yeah, you have to have a, a form of consensus, but the the consensus is still a product of however many individuals in the stakeholder group arriving at individual decisions. If you don't actually win each of those individual decisions, your odds of winning the overall deal are are very low. Well that's true. I mean if you if you've got I I I think I think his point is 
I mean, that's true. If people aren't, if, if you've got no along the way, yeah, you're not likely to get a yes, but that all five yeses don't necessarily equal a yes. Well, I think there's another dynamic at play here that, that people overlook, and I think this is really important, which is – and this is, again, based on research uh, that's that's been done. There's one person in particular sort of well-known for this guy named Paul Nutt out of Ohio State University. I believe he's still there. And you know, the research showing that actually when, when businesses or individuals make decisions, that it's actually a two-step process. The first step is – he calls it a choice. I, I call it a decision, but be that as it may, is that first step is the go-no-go decision. Are we actually going to make this change or not make a change? Assuming the decision means change, right? Um, you know, are we, are we going to move forward or not? It's just binary, yes or no. Are we going to do this? And I think when you look at such a high rate of no decisions that we get out of pipelines these days, that what we're seeing is a failure to sort of get the customer to that point. And it's because, again, we don't understand that, that they have to make that decision before they can make a decision about who they want to make the change with. And so I think that salespeople, and I sort of came across this in my own experience, and, and it was sort of interesting then to go back and later in life and, and see Nuts research and say, oh, okay, I'm not so crazy because this is the way I always, this is the way I, I came to learn through experiences how it worked. And then to see it somewhat validated by research was great. Is that, yeah, you gotta, you've got to get that customer to the point where they are committed to making a change. And then, at that point, they decide who they want to make that change with. Now, if you can be the driver in the, into that process of them making that go binary, go and no-go decision, then you're going to be in the, the most advantageous position when they then make that, that decision about who they want to make the change with. And so it, I think it changes fundamentally how people should be approaching the sales process because you know, it, it's, if you've given a, a proposal to someone that hasn't made a commitment to making a change, you're wasting time. And so it's, yeah, it's it, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought I think that's I think that's exactly right. I I hadn't thought about it in quite such stark terms, like go, no, go, but you're right. I mean, before it's sort of like why in the sales process, you start with a lot of discovery and uncovering what either their problems are or their aspirations, because you're trying to get at this place of are they in enough pain that they're going to make a change or is where they want to go good? Cause if, if they don't have that, it doesn't matter what you present to them. Well, I think what, they, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, they've, they've got to either be in enough pain that they're saying, yes, I'm committed to making this decision or where they want to go. They can't get there from where they are and they're committed to doing something different. But you're right. If you don't have, if you don't, if you if you gloss over that, then everything's sort of up for grabs. So, like you said, the rest, eh, maybe well, it'll happen, maybe it won't. Right, and I think I think what what salespeople miss is that actually your qualification process is much more extensive than than you think. Right, it's not hey, do they fit my ICP and do they have you know the, the whole Bant thing, yada yada yada. But that actually, for them to get to that go no go decision, they actually have to 
be able to quantify the outcomes that they want to achieve. Right? They have to they have to have a pretty detailed level of knowledge to say, yeah, this is worth our time to continue going forward. Right. And and so the steps where I think I don't think that I know that that most salespeople miss is this idea of saying, look, how do I qualify the prospect on the value they'll receive from my solution? And if I get their agreement on that, then the odds are good that they have enough information to say, yeah, we want to continue forward. And you may not end up getting the business, but at least they have the vision in mind that they can achieve the goals that they set out to achieve. And I think until they, yeah, so they have that in mind, they're really not fully qualified. I think it's a really, really good point. And I don't always agree with you, and I don't agree with you easily <laughs> or as a matter of course or to make you feel good. No, but I what? think that's right. That's I know it's surprising. I, I thought you were no, here to stroke my true. ego. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, let me let me just disabuse you of I'm that so, notion. I'm, I'm very fragile, so <laughs> I, I know. I've noticed how fragile you are. No, but I think that's I think that's a really important distinction. So, how when you said in the opening well, that let me, you don't let think, me well, let me lay out sort of a process because I think that that this is what I I did in my career. And you know, I went I went back recently and, and calculated and brought things up and sort of in you know cal- <laughs> corrected for inflation. But okay. in my career before I started my company, I sold over half a billion dollars worth of products and services. Selling big enterprise, you know, large, I think largest order was you know roughly just shy of a hundred million dollars. But I also sold smaller stuff. But what I learned is sort of time and time again, things sort of fit a specific pattern. You know, it's this idea of customers sort of making this, needing to gather the information, make this go, no-go decision. And what I found over time is what they needed is, and what I needed to get, help them get to that point, is I needed them to be able to identify the outcomes they wanted to achieve and to ensure I knew that they, if I really, if the deal was really going to happen, they had to have already quantified what the value is going to be to them of the vision they had in mind, what they're going to achieve with their product or service. You know, if they hadn't gotten to that point where they could quantify what the outcome was going to be, you know, they weren't at a point to make the go, no go decision. And so I would make a part of my job was to work with the prospect to say, okay, you know, if you want to achieve a certain market share, what, what's that going to mean to you in terms of dollars, mm-hmm. right? Top line, bottom line, what's that, what's that mean? And then once they'd quantified that, then I could go to them and say, okay, well, this is what my solution will do to help you achieve that value. And if I could get them to agree that my solution would help them achieve that value, that agreement equaled qualification. And they, I knew then at that point, they were ready to make a decision, right? It they weren't necessarily at the end of the day going to buy from me, though a high fraction of them did. But at least I knew at that point it was worth my time to invest in them because they were actually going to make Decision because they saw what the end line was going to be, what the end result was going to be, and this is this is just glommed over these days in so many cases because we think, oh, just because they express an interest, thus they are going to make a decision, and it's just not the case. They got this two steps. They got it. We got justified. They got to see what the they got to see the end zone, and when they see the end zone and the value, then they're prepared to make a decision. 
Is glommed over a technical term? Glommed is a very technical term. <laughs> I just wanted, like, I just, I just wondering about glom. Um, I don't know that they, I don't know that they glom over it. I, I think it's one that I just know that. Um, well, but think of the pressures. Think of the pressures that, that sales reps are under these days, especially in certain industries where, you know, we've got these metrics like pipeline coverage and so on. And I've, I've written about this even this week. And, and what we're doing is we're putting pressure on people to glom over, you know, qualification and so on because they're pressured, right? You need to have 5x pipeline coverage, which means, you know, more. And if you've got more, doing more, that means you have less time to do well. My belief. I I think part of the issue is, you know, it, at Logsio we're selling to a very technical audience, yes. and we often start at a level that is, um, we'll do both the grassroots sort mm-hmm. of start low, and then we've also you know, but but oftentimes we're starting pretty low, and they. Uh, they don't have the tools or knowledge to really be oh, yeah. able to quantify it or to know what the impact is. And so there's, if you get us, we've got some of our more skilled account executives that they can go help the customer build it and figure it out and present the case and they do everything that they need to do. But, um, you know, some of the newer, the newer AEs, it's, it's not the blind leading the blind, but kind of close. Well, that's the challenge, though. You you identified the real so challenge, which is so that's so. I do, but I don't think they're trying to glom over it. I think that no, they're I'm just, just <laughs> they're they're. I know. I like to just repeat. I feel like I'm learning. I, I know the word, but you know, I yeah, like, like to use it three times. Like, right, use that's exactly what I was gonna say. Use it three use times. It three so times. I, I wanted to use it one more time. That was my third. I'm not we'll, going to we'll say give, it again. We'll, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, yeah, well, I like another one. But I think that I think you hit the key point though is is that yes, to be able to effectively qualify is you have to be speaking at a certain level within the customer organization with someone who has the authority or the responsibility who can quantify that. And which speaks then to qualification is how can you actually really qualify account if you've never spoken to somebody at that level? Yeah, and and sometimes it's quite a challenge to get and navigate to sure. someone in what? the org. And and I, I think the other interesting thing about SAS, Andy, is you can get we can get a lower level person that doesn't have it all quantified that can swipe a credit card and get it started. Well, sure, and. You know, we can start then to navigate and build our case, which is often what we encourage them to do. They're not, maybe they can't quantify it all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we even get to, um, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about it, how high up in some instances, like some of the bigger companies that we're selling into. But SAS is one specific instance, right? I mean, it's yeah. a growing part of our lives, but it's it's still you know a fraction. You know, we got lots of people out selling expensive pieces of of machine equipment, right? I mean, it's or that this really becomes you know germane to what they need to do. Is they need to get to the right people. They need to include them early in this process. 
you're not ignoring the lower level people, they're the implementers, the people that are driving it, the mobilizers. But at some right. point to really qualify that account, you have to talk to someone who has the the oomph, see another technical term, to be able to speak authoritatively about, yeah, this is this is how we quantify this value. I love the the terms that you're using today. Like we're really like the the oomph and the I the, like the oomph it. and the glom. I like it. The okay. vocabulary. The oomph and the glom. Yeah, oomph and glom. All right. No, so, it's a good point. It's a good point that, that making sure you get to the right level that you are you're talking to somebody that can help. Because you're right. If you don't get to that, especially in a, in bigger companies when the dollar values are higher, mm-hmm. yeah, they've got to have made a decision. This is what we're committed to to doing and they need to there's got to be some cost benefit analysis that's been done well and the thing then that i think becomes the the challenge and in a you know sort of hey i aspire to this type challenge for aes is to be able to develop the business acumen to go in and have those conversations with senior executives i mean when you're talking about quantifying value you've got to have a sense you got to have a business sense about you and so it's not coming in with a list of scripted questions. It's, hey, we're going to have a conversation about your business. I understand your business, you know, sort of an outsider, have some understanding. I understand business in general. Let's have this conversation about, you know, make what's making this change, this, what will making this change do for your business and, and right. quantifying it. So it really becomes an opportunity if you really look at it for AEs to say, because it was for me <laughs> when I first started, I wasn't able to have those conversations. Um, but that was one of the things I really learned, and that set me apart from other people as I learned how to have those conversations. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Okay. I know you're running a little short for time, so we're going we're gonna to end this one here. We're going to be back soon. We'll, we'll talk about this again in the future. The oomph and the glom. Well, yeah. Next time, I'll, I'll see if I've got new vocabulary. Can open it. Yeah, let's get new vocabulary next time. All right. Andy, as always. Bridget, fantastic. Talk to you. We'll talk to you again next week, as long as you... Stay off the disabled list. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. (laughs) Okay. Talk to you then. All right. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for this week. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Oren Broberg, and my good friend, Bridget Gleason. Now, join me again next week as I welcome Doug Vigliotti to Accelerate. Doug is the author of a new book called The Salesperson Paradox. And of course, as we discovered the past few weeks, no Accelerate would be complete without a contribution from Bridget. So as always, she'll be joining me for our weekly conversation. Be sure to join me then. Thanks again to our sponsor, Discover Org, for their ongoing support of Accelerate. And thank you again for joining me. Until next week, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.